Hello and welcome to Carbide Content. I'm David from Contraption Collection. I'm Dalen from Machine Wise and I ruined it. That's <laughs> okay. I'm Grant from Fellowship Blades. Oh yeah. Um yeah, I'm John from from Triaxes, yeah. All right. Assemble. <laughs> and with our rings combined, Captain Planet. Uh, so any updates uh, on spending a lot of money, uh, Dalen? <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah, I can go first on that. Um, yeah, I bought a brother. It's official. It was funded um, yesterday from the finance group. Nice. Yep. Yeah, I had to wake up super early because... So I have the... There's the finance company, which is like the broker, I guess, and then they go find the bank for you, whatever. Yeah. And uh, he sent me an email like Tuesday night saying, hey, are you going to get a call tomorrow morning from, you know, the bank? And it's basically just going to be like a verbal confirmation to pay the vendor. Mm-hmm. I'm like, cool, what time are they going to call? Because I wake up, you know, later than most. <laughs> He's like, oh, um, sometime first thing in the morning, Arizona time. I'm like, cool, what does that mean? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool, great. So I woke up at like six to make sure I wouldn't miss that call because I definitely wouldn't have answered it because I would have slept through it. Mm-hmm. And they called it like nine. I was like, oh, well, okay. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, right. That's first thing, I guess. So. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 completely paid and the down payment is paid. Um, I should see it within two to three weeks. I'm working on electrical right now. And then buying tool holders. Nice. Yeah, Monday. I get my quote for like way too much money on, on Regofix Power Grip stuff on Monday. That's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be. I'm awesome. very excited, but I'm also not looking forward to spending like twelve thousand dollars on tool holders. <laughs> it's gonna be so yeah. worth it, though. Oh, it will. I mean, I'll. That'll be almost my town payment on the machine. Nice. <laughs> wow. Sweet. Yeah. Right. But it's gonna so be does, so worth it. Does the brother have three spindle coolant? It it has the union. Uh, everything is ready. F- like it, it's all plumbed for it. It just needs the actual pump. Okay. So that's a very uh, easy field install. Because uh, those those power grips, uh, well, I know Grimsway uses them, and I think he has three spindle yep. coolant. But like, yeah. Uh, see, see, this is one thing I I've been trying to figure out because I think I want to probably purchase a machine soon. Yep. And like, it seems like uh, going, you know, ten k, twelve k, fifteen k RPM, and having the coolant come out of the collet. It the it can just completely like centrifugal force away, and not even really get to the cutting tool. Yeah, it'll. And so I'm not. I'm just trying to figure out if it's worth it for. Do you uh, do a lot of drilling? Nope. Then no. Yeah. Yep. If it's an option that the machine already has, like you know, if it had the pump for it, I would still run it on all my tools, but I would still run the ancillary flood as well. Yeah. The more yep. cool and the better. Yeah. Exactly. So you don't think you'll install through spindle? Um, seeing as I don't even have a single drill in my shop, <laughs> uh, the chances are probably not. I like having the option for it, though. It's the through, it's the through spindle air that I'm truly excited for. Do you not even like drill the blades uh, no. pushing holes? No, it's I completely. I literally, literally do not have a drill in my shop. Yep. Now it might be worth it with the uh, tool change speed on the brother, but. Then again, it has more tool holders, which 
funny enough, that was one of the larger reasons I didn't have drills is because the most tools I have yeah. on the machine is 16. Now mm-hmm. I have 28 or I will eventually. Yeah. There is a, there is a case for having like a generic drill size and then you can it, just plunge an end mill down. Yeah. Maybe like one generic drill, maybe like a 201 or something. Primarily yeah, like it's a, also a quarter 20 tap. Like yeah. a flat bottom drill or something. Yeah. Um, so I might make, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll entertain a drill. I'm also kind of stuck in my ways, so I don't know yet. <laughs> I, I, well, it I, works. So, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I just got these way too expensive uh, 124. Um, they're solid carbide something. for I can't remember who that makes them, but it's, it's like a mana tool or something. One of the okay. relatively good um, tool makers. Okay. I, use, I use an eighth inch drill. is the only drill I use in my stuff. But I use it basically for every hole gets pre-drilled, and then it also does the uh, smaller size for my Zen pen uh, press fit. Okay. And so, and it having an eighth inch drill do the smaller size is very very nice. It's like once it's set, it's you forget it for the next hundreds of handles, and it's all good yep. to go. Yeah, for handles, yeah. We, we did talk about handles more with the blades. Like those are only like an eighth inch thick, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's not even like through spittle cool. It's no, you know, it's you're not, not like gonna, you're doing like yeah. ten times diameter or something. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I don't know. That's the updates on the brother. Um short of that, and it's just production as per the usual. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Uh, do you have one. a lead time on the brother brother yet? Yeah. So it should be two to three weeks. I don't know if that was, I'm assuming that's more than likely from the day it was funded, not from the day that I paid the down. Well, actually, I don't know, uh, two to three weeks-ish, yeah. which cool. I'm going to expect four. It could be It could be sooner. I actually hope it's not sooner, because I'm, I'm still scheduling the electrician and all that. Yeah. Yep. And I have to get risers made for my Pearson pallets. I have a buddy just a little bit north of me who's making those oh, yeah. for me. What's the table height uh, minimum? The, the minimum is 7.1 inches. Dang, that's pretty tall. It's yeah. very tall. Yeah, it's even worse than my Mighty. My Mighty was something around six, I think. Wow, yeah. Yeah. So I need to make some big old two-inch risers for my for my pallets. It Why looks, do they do that silly. For, those, um, for those machines? I Is asked, it just so you can use a fourth? I asked at one point, and I think a common configuration for these drill tap style machines is is having a fourth axis on it. Yeah. Um, also, a lot of people use vices, and if you have a vice, it's really not a problem. Yeah. Well, because it, it gives you more Z travel with the yep. same configuration. And most yeah. of the time, you don't have something exactly on the table. So, yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's a little annoying, but it's not, you know, not that big of a deal. Yeah. The Pearson palette probably takes up like two and a half or three inches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah not to the top um, of the palette, to like the bottom of a pocket you make in the palette. Yeah, well, know. yeah, I forget what it was now. I think from base to top of pallet was like three inches or something. Yeah, I set it, it to be five point one five inches from the bottom to the top with the riser in it. That way, I could run two and a half inch. I mean, I I could run two inch uh, projection holders and have no problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I want to go stubby on all my holders. Heck yeah, that's that's what I did. And it's it's nice. Yeah. But, um, Did, sorry, but uh, with the through spindle coolant again, uh, John, you you talked about doing through cool through tool air. So, did you have through coolant 
uh, through spindle coolant on your hoss? I just had a union, and then I basically field installed my own through spindle air by borrowing one of the solenoids that is used to, what is it? I think it's like, it's vacuum TSC is like how it's labeled in the control. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the after TSC like air purge. So it forces okay. air through the spindle to basically like clear uh, the taper when you do a tool change kind of thing. Okay. So that goes, there's, there's a separate line for it and it's different from the through spindle air, but I just use that basically the, the sub program or whatever, however the M codes fire basically like something in a ladder diagram and use that solenoids M code and then alias it. And then I had to run a line to the union. Mm-hmm. From that solenoid. Yeah. Okay. So you need like a whole nother pump or tubing if you wanted to run coolant through it. Yeah, if you wanted to run coolant, it's a completely different yeah. beast. There's a lot yeah. more. It's not just like throwing coolant through the spindle. There's a lot more kind of to yeah. it. And there's timing and stuff too. You have to get right. And uh, yeah, Haas has made it more and more difficult as the years go by. To yeah. All that stuff. They want your money. Yeah, yeah I, even on new machines, you can't do what I did because yep. they changed out one, just the generic like m i don't remember the m code for it is but just regular air blasts that's like if you hit shift coolant it'll like fire the it'll send the signal for solenoid that's not there if you never bought like the air blast and all you had to do is buy the solenoid like just match the one that's in the cabinet and then just run a line up to the head and like my machine already had the line there um for like the auto air gun so all i had to do was buy a solenoid and then buy like a lock line and that was it. But nice. new machines don't have that because you of don't, they don't. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, the one thing I am very excited about is the through spindle air that will be on the brother. Yeah. That's definitely worth it. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I wonder if I could run MQL through that. That's, that's what I was going to bring <laughs> up is, is Haas has an option of, of, uh, the minimum quantity lubrication or the through tool air, but the, the MQL is through like the air gun. And so I don't think yep. you can run oiled air through the tool. No, so, partially because you won't have a, you won't have an atomizer, but which yeah, is, I, I wonder how much difference it makes. I don't know how the, like the cabinets are set up on the brothers, but I would imagine like there's some spare solenoid M codes or something. I'm yeah, sure like to, if you want to add yeah. a robot or something. So Oh, totally, what you yeah. would need to do is just find out like what those M codes fire. It's probably like yep. 24 volts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Get a solenoid that'll work. And, you know, solenoids are pretty universal as far as like mm-hmm. matching the specs and then run an airline up through the head or wherever, however, to get to the spindle. And then yep. basically like bolt or 3D print an MQL like holder. And yeah. you're basically there. It's It's probably a day of work, like a solid day to really get it dialed in. But you yeah, can definitely do it along with dry air if you want them, you know, two separate things. Yeah, I would love to do that. Um, I need yeah. to, it's a whole control that I don't know. It's the, it's brother's own control. So I have to, whenever the apps guy comes in for the training, I need to talk with him about what the, you know, this, how many spare M codes, how the, how everything on the control works, but yeah, how their macro programming works and all that. Yeah. And it's all bloom probing. So I need to, I need to learn all of the, the bloom 
uh, macros and subroutines. Yeah, it's you're getting a laser, right? I don't know. I didn't. So it's it's Bloom probing. It's a Bloom spindle probe and a and a Bloom tool probe. Yeah. I've never seen a not laser Bloom tool probe before. Yeah, that's what, yeah. I thought they only did laser at least now. But I've also never never seen someone with a brother that has a laser tool probe on it. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I I don't really think I've been in a shop and seen like you know a regular. I don't know what you call it, like mid range shop and seen a yeah. laser laser right. setter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the only time I've seen a laser setter was when it was a Bloom product. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've never seen a non-laser Bloom tool setter, so I'm kind of yeah. curious to see what it is. Hmm. It's yeah. funny because, like, in my mind, it's it feels like a laser would not be that expensive compared to, like, the actual... I mean, yeah, you think it'd be cheaper. ...tool setter strain gauge and stuff, but... Right? It's so much simpler. Yeah, there must be something with the way, like, the lens is actually mirrored yeah. out it yeah, isn't really precise or something yeah uh, that and the software behind it yeah so apparently bloom does make uh non-laser uh touch touch setters or whatever interesting so i'm called. i'm expecting to get that yeah so I, I think the entire probe package was like 7600 oh yeah that's not a laser so there's no way i'm gonna have a laser in there <laughs> yeah that's that's definitely yeah, I'll probably just the touch setter. And I also need to buy a um I need to get a, a tiny little like one millimeter ball for the probe. Oh what, I need, why I need to do oh that. are you gonna do like part spectrum? I'm gonna probe everything. <laughs> if I can probe it, I'm probably going to. Yeah, I need to start doing that. Yeah, I haven't gotten around to it. What yeah, kind of stuff I, do you want to do with that? Uh well specifically any critical dimensions. I want to do um blade profiles, Zen pin cup position. Um, pushing hole diameters and pin hole diameters, this, that, the other. Okay. Yep. And then I also plan on doing um, tool life monitoring and, you know, all the fun stuff. But that'll be a little bit in the future because I have, I'm, I'm kind of doing some job choppy stuff, funny enough, on the brother at first. I think. I don't know the plan yet, but. Yeah, I probably can't get it too much into that, can you? Uh, I don't know if I want to. But yeah. Um, yeah, I I I do have something coming up that won't be directly machine wise related, um, and I got to figure out how I want to, what machine I want to put it on, and all that. Because mm-hmm. the opuses and specifically the blades for the opuses are running so good on the mighty, I'm legitimately <laughs> afraid to even look at them wrong, let alone put them <laughs> on a different machine. Yeah, I'd let them if they're running well. I'd let them coast right? on that machine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that the mighty has five thousand hours of of proven. Psych, you know, spend all time on my higher end stuff. So why would I change that? Yeah. But then, what do I run on the on the brother? I want to put the high end stuff on the brother, but make an even higher end. <laughs> I, I thought about it. <laughs> Got to so buy I, another so brother. Another brother. <laughs> yeah. Have, have so them both. Do you like a round where you have them both run at the same time and see like directly which blade looks nicer? Mm. I mean, it'll look nicer off the brother. It's just how much time am I willing to put into it when they're already really good? Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, I don't know about that yet, but yeah. Other than that, um, this week is going to be our largest drop to date, which is funny because the previous drop was our largest to date. That's awesome. <laughs> That's uh, we're doing a hundred. Really I'm dropping 110 knives on Saturday. Holy. Oh, my God. Cow, dude. Yeah. I was at the shop until four o'clock this morning um, wow. working on everything. <laughs> So slits are back uh, up and running. Yeah, they're running. They're running. Um, 
I can't catch a break on the Slifties. Mm, gotcha. It's always something or another, and it and it all boils down to not having enough tool holders on the Miltronics. Yeah, I feel like. Um, I I was trying and trying and trying to prof like finish finish profile the handles and face the handles with a super long projection uh, three sixteen end mill, which is super not ideal. Oh God, no! <laughs> um, so I kept running into profile finish issues and and face issues, like gotcha. the face the facing itself. You, um, wait, you face and profile with the three sixteenths on that? Yeah, I don't have I don't have any more tools, that, and that same tool has to finish the bevels on the blades too. Oh my goodness! I'm doing two complete product lines on sixteen tools. Wow! I you're cutting titanium and steel with the same tool. Uh, titanium and steel and aluminum, yes. Dude, <laughs> oh my no, no, God. that's that's a problem. That is I think how crazy. Problem. That is the the surface area of that tool is so tiny. <laughs> I know. And, you, and you're and you're getting that much work out of it. That's that's pretty insane. That poor <laughs> tool. Mean, yeah. So I I finally said like screw it. Um, we recently, I really didn't want to have to have separate tool holders, you know, out of the machine that had to be swapped in and out between mm-hmm. jobs yeah. right um but it 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 had to happen finally yeah because i spent i spent four and a half hours last night reworking chamfers on all of our handles individually and i had to make a new fixture for it and then oh, i had to no. take all of those lift T handles and profile them on our grinder and clean the faces on the grinder oh wow. because the machining wasn't good enough because i don't have enough tools Wow. Um, so it's yeah. I said enough was enough today and and reprogrammed it. We have the designated proper tools that just get swapped out and yeah. Yeah. Okay, another an, uh, sorry. Another thing you could think about though is instead of different products on different machines is different materials on different machines. That Let, normally wouldn't be an issue. Um because it's most of what we do is titanium and, and stainless. Um and if it's just those two materials, I have enough tools. The the only oddball out is the Prisma, which is a little. Mm-hmm. Um, I've thought about ramping up Prisma production like tenfold and just having the brother crank out hundreds of them every week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but wait, wait, why would you put him on the brother and not just run the whichever whichever one is the Mighty running the Prismas? Yeah, the Mighty. Uh, the Mighty runs the Prisma. No, sorry, the Miltronics runs the Prismas Miltronics. and the Slifties. Oh, okay, I get you. You're you're filling the other gap with the slift tees. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And I don't want to put the slift tees on the brother because I don't want to. I don't want to keyway cut that that channel on it. Ooh, fair enough. Yeah. I could do it. Like it would be a big deal, but I don't want to have to sit down and program that tool path to be a lighter depth of cut. Because mm-hmm. it'd have to be drawn by hand because of clearance. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know yet. Lots of things to think about, but. Yeah. I mean, the brother would pump out. Uh, Prisma handles like nothing. <laughs> My assembly tech would would strangle me if I put <laughs> Prismas on the brother. Yeah, seriously. Because I could, I would literally bury him in parts, like physically. <laughs> assembly techs. Yeah, and yeah, the last thing I want to do is um, uh, increase our assembly load even more. Huh. That's fair. Yep. But yeah, about with a titanium all. trainer, man. People have been begging me to do trainers on the opuses and serifs. Yeah, it just feels wrong to put a prisma blade on them because that's that that's not the right solution. But <laughs> that's, that's what everyone wrong. wants. <laughs> but like, 
I don't want to sell it like an Opus trainer, even if the trainer blade was made a lot nicer. Like it still has to be like a five hundred and fifty dollar trainer that I, just seems a little bit ridiculous to me. You could have you could have like a bundle where you buy an Opus and then for an extra however much you want to price it, it comes with a trainer blade. But then I thought about that. It's the or like the, the bundle of Prisma and Opus together or something. Yeah. I don't know. I've I've thought of some things. I think Slift T trainers will be the the happiest middle ground. Uh, that's probably the best the best entry for that. Yeah. Do you think I mean, there's a market for edible. Oh. Do you think there's a market for a steel trainer, a steel handle trainer? Uh Kershaw will tell you otherwise, but I'm going to say no. There like there is a market, but you shouldn't. Nobody should. If, it, <laughs> if it's below 4.7 ounces and doesn't look like a skeleton. Maybe. I I still think no because just by the just by saying it's steel, you're going to get such backlash. <laughs> and unless you're Kershaw or or a company that can just shove knives down everyone's throat and nobody cares, then it's just not going to sell. Okay, uh, what I mean, about an aluminum nickel bronze trainer? Yes, because I I want to do well. I was going to do an <laughs> aluminum bronze, uh, aluminum bronze part of my other aluminum product. Yeah, aluminum bronze is sick. I love it. It's, how's how's the weight on that versus aluminum? Uh, it's heavy. It's oh, it's, it's heavier than titanium. Heavy. Th- yeah, that's what I figured. Maybe heavier than steel. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Uh, I definitely wouldn't do a full aluminum bronze. I I was using it as a spacer with yep. uh, lots of holes in the middle of it. <laughs> but it's it's just such a gorgeous material that I want to really use more. Because yep. hmm. uh, I, I had the same same idea. I was going to do a, a sandwich stainless steel, but hollowing out the underside so it doesn't look like a skeleton, but it'd, it'd be shaped like a bell. Um, I just think that no matter how you slice it, if it says steel, people are going to hate it. You could yeah. say the same thing about all the aluminum trainers back in the day when Lucas true. first pioneered it. That's true. Yeah. That, that. Um, it would have to prove itself. Yeah. It would. It it would probably be a you know a slow boat trying to prove it, but I think it could prove itself if it was actually designed and done right. I I think it's something that if you have a a flagship product, it's not a bad idea to to try to make it prove itself. But if you're coming out the gate with it. Um, it's going to be a hard time because yeah. you're not going to survive off of it until it starts working. What's the like classic bench made that's like steel that it's like just a bunch of holes in it? Uh, 42? 43? 42? No, the 42s were uh, cast titanium, I thought. Uh, um, I don't know. 6X? I don't know the Benchmade series very well. I think it's it's either it's it's pre forty two. I know that they they do have the old school benchmades before they were called benchmade. Just Bally Song. Um, I think I think some of those were stainless. Um, and I'm probably going to get canceled because I don't know my benchmade history or something. <laughs> but, I don't I mean you and me both then because I don't know much about anything when it comes to history of benchmade. Yeah, the, I mean the like the original uh, Bally Song benchmades that were westernized were stainless. Yeah, um, whatever, but, whatever. Just the, it still might be the most famous butterfly knife. I feel like it's uh, iconic. Yeah, it's definitely is 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 a steel butterfly knife. Just 
people who are actually enthusiasts probably don't like it as much. Yeah. I, it doesn't flip well. Um, but then again, like talking, uh, talking to people in the industry, the Lucha sells. So as much as I hate it, uh, it sells like hotcakes. Yeah, I'm sure. Cause so. I'm sure if you're in the right state, it's in Walmart or something. Oh, probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's in every actual knife store. It's yep. Kershaw. They push it. And then of course, Flytanium doing their stuff and the mm-hmm. mods for it. Like they, they sell a ton of those things. I don't know. I don't know why I brought up steel stuff. I'm just desperate for <laughs> more trainers, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What have you been up to, Grant or John? Grant, uh, you can go ahead. I haven't heard from Grant in a while, actually. Yeah, yeah right? I've been stressed out of my mind. Oh, really? <laughs> um, so, I don't even remember. Uh, moved into an apartment. That's probably the biggest thing. Yep. Uh, my fiance and I finally got an apartment. And, well, we got an apartment several months ago. Uh, like in, I think November we signed the the lease, um, but it was like people were moving out, and so last Jeez, week okay. was the like we could finally move in. So uh, most of the week prior was me stressing about moving, as well as dealing with banks and taxes and getting loans uh-huh. secured and everything. I want to talk to Dale. We might do this half the podcast because it's going to get real technical. Um, but my loan process was relatively it was quick but there was so much stuff um uh, part of like, i had to drive around signing documents at the bank and stuff oh like gosh that. Part, i mean it was of, local yeah yeah i mean it, it's it's also like it's directly to the bank and i'm also more or less securing a relationship not just like yep. funding a single machine so yep. it's a little bit different um but yeah so moving an apartment uh, i bought a sile x7 um went to houston got to play with one uh, seemed great. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, as far as I can tell, it is um, the hype is is real. I guess yep. uh, it's definitely not a hobby machine. I would I would put it from what I can tell on the same line as like a mini mill. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly prefer it over a mini mill just because the casting uh, with yep. the epoxy granite and and the type of tool changer and. They're doing a lot of cool stuff um, that Haas doesn't even do. Yeah. So. Did you get an umbrella style or did you get the uh, double arm? No, it's the double arm. I think it is wicked fast. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm super stoked for it. I, I really wanted the drill, the the robo drill style that the uh, uh-huh. X5 has. The X- but yep. uh, I think the X5 is a little bit underpowered for what I want to put on it. Um, Probably. Because, yeah, I think the X5 is like with the Syntec controller, it's three and a half horse where the X seven's like seven horse. So, okay, yep. yeah, uh, you know, for, for a little bit of a price jump, you get kind of double the machine almost. Yeah. That makes, uh, yeah and still in a pretty small footprint, which is what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, I don't have an ad- actual freight date, but everything's paid off. Um, and so I went and wrote a check and signed all the things over the nice. last week. And, or last week on Friday, things were settled, signed documents on Monday, and gave him a check. And so uh, I'm just waiting to hear back from Sile to say that they've shipped it. Awesome. Um, and it's local, right? It's like it's, it's in a warehouse in Texas. Yeah, it's in Houston, which is, in, in Texas terms, uh, the block away. It's, it's a four-hour yep. drive. So okay. I'm assuming whenever they, they quote-unquote ship it, it'll just show up. <laughs> oh. 
I, that, um, that's almost close enough to warrant just having your riggers go get it. I was well, so I think it doesn't even need to be rigged. Um, okay, I'm, I'm skeptical. Like, so it's, it should show up in a crate, and it's a crate that's normal forkliftable. Uh, and so we're just going to oh. pull it off the thing and then just wheel it around on those little lift jacks. Uh, the the fork the what are they called? The little pallet jacks. Pallet jack. Yeah, you can that basically. Horrifying. It's a little bit horrifying, but also everyone that I've talked to that bought a style has done it, and they seem they say it's fine. Okay, um, so scares scares me. Yeah, well, basically, if it comes in and I'm like, oh, I don't feel like this, I'm just gonna get my riggers to come set it up. But yep, yeah, we'll we'll ride it out. Cool. Did you um, see the back CDM video? Yeah, I watched that one. Uh, I don't think I have. Which so back CDM is this YouTuber who makes EDM machines, which is cool. Uh, okay. and uh he got a, a sile and uh he posted two videos because he, he just got it one is uh he definitely had a hard time getting it out of the truck but he's like in europe so it's like a very tight situation oh, uh, yeah. i don't think it completely applies uh but then his second video speaking of tool changers uh he almost had a crash with his machine because uh the the post processor was set up for the arm style tool changer, I think, and his is the mm. umbrella, and so it tried to do the like preload tools thing, but that doesn't change the height offset, so it would have uh, so it switched to a tool after it already switched to a tool without changing the height, you know, the the height offset. Uh, he caught it in time, but like uh, it, I guess it wouldn't be a problem for you since you got the arm, but I would definitely like check out the post-processor stuff. Yeah. Uh, make sure so it's like that, for the right tool changer and stuff. All that is, is um, there's a little tick box when you go to post, uh, you can say preload tool or not. Um, that's a common thing that can happen across a, a variety of machine tool brands. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's yep. not a, a seal. Thing yeah. That, Cause that, I, nothing I, that uh, there's nothing that's like in these videos that made me think the seal is a bad machine. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to do some, some post deep diving just to because it's it's a new post and it's already an unknown machine and everything and so I'm yeah right do do my due diligence um that was something with the Haas that I was really impressed with because all the Fanuc machines I've ever run um they'll they'll accept that code and just run with it but Haas completely ignores it it's like oh no you're silly and <laughs> just completely bypasses it which yep. is pretty cool yeah they're <laughs> There was no post that existed for my Mighty Viper, so I had to modify it. Nook one. <laughs> that sucked. Yeah, that's rough. Because the Mighty requires some very weird, specific things with the code that I can't even remember anymore. Mm-hmm. If it's not home before you run a program, it'll crash itself. Oh, yeah. The, uh, okay. Like if that's... it's if it's not actively on the limit switches when you go to run a program, it'll just it'll go wherever it wants, and I can't figure out what it's basing wow. all the movements off of and other weird things. If you pre you can't preload a tool. Um, right. All kinds of weird things. Hmm. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I hope I don't crash this out. I, I've crashed. I think every single machine I've ever run, um, like elite baby crashes, but the yep. boss of the boss, I crashed within five seconds. I turned it on. Oh, <laughs> I turned it on and I was going to just do a quick drill cycle and I just fat fingered something. And I, and it was just this, you know, I hadn't run a machine in like a year cause I was in school 
and then I just sat at the controller and I was just doing G code by hand, which I normally didn't do because uh, I was just running everything through Fusion and then just yep. plunged the spindle right into a piece of aluminum. <laughs> oh, welcome to your new home, Haas. Yeah. Uh, so I'm used to not doing that with the Sile because I, I suspect the Sile may not take it as well as the Haas did. <laughs> or it could take it better. You never know. Who knows? I, yeah, you're, it very well could. I'm just, it's, you know. It's, it's a little bit less powerful, maybe. Yeah, That's true. So, so yeah, maybe the motor will just stop instead of breaking right. something. <laughs> which, oh, which would be nice. Just don't crash it. Yeah. Being a G-code, that reminds me of something. Um, I, I, haven't, I haven't, like, written manual G-code or, or anything in so long. So I'm, I've been messing with the slitting saw stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what I thought I should do is like when it takes off the first top button is uh, put an M0. But the M0 just like stops the tool like immediately where it is. Uh-huh. What 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 G code would I use if I want just like the Z to go all the way up and then the table to come all the way forward and then the program to stop? Yeah. So what I always run is a... A G28, G91 for incremental, and then send it to Z0, X0, Y0, or just Z0, Y0, so it doesn't put the table out of your way. Yep. And then just make sure you go back into absolute mode afterwards, G90, or things will get bad. So yeah, I thought G, G28 was a, a home thing, but what's, what is the incremental for? Um, It's the way, funny enough, I'm, I'm, I'm rusty on G28 on exactly what it does, but um, you have to... You G28 and you set it to incremental, so uh, it, it moves it to G28, Z0. I forget why you have to run it next, if I'm being honest. Because I, I thought you'd want it to be like the the opposite of that. You, you know, you'd want it to ignore your work offset and just go to machine zero. So, or maybe if you want to go to machine zero, it'd be, it'd be a separate one. Like I think G52, maybe. I don't remember anymore. Um, G28, uh, G91, Z0 is machine zero. I just forget why. I think G53 is a different. Yeah, and it's oh, it 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 seems to be different amongst machines. Whereas G28, G91 seems to be moderately universal. And I need to relook that up. I'm gonna do that now. I think 53 is a is a Haas specific. Oh, is it? Don't quote me on that because there's like a one of those tooltip videos on it. Gotcha. And it talks about using 53 over 28 for some reason. I don't remember why, but. I wish uh, every post processor uh, just made the tool table come forward. I should just learn how to actually mess with post processors more than. I yeah, you should be able to do. just throw it in at the end of the post and it'll do it. But uh, quick Google G ninety one switches it to incremental. If yep. the code is omitted, the machine will first move to the zero position in your datum, so it'll plunge down to your zero in your datum, and then it'll go up. Where G ninety one just yeah. makes it go straight up. So obviously yep. you don't want it to plunge in your phone. Yeah, yeah. The way G twenty eight interacts with G with G ninety one is unlike most other huh. ways that incremental interacts with things, which is always weird to me, but Yeah. Because normally I just thought incremental it's just like you just keep adding an inch and add an inch and add an inch versus yep. just go to one inch. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to look the, into that more, but I should definitely add that to my code. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, I do that for all my all my um, four stops, all my M zeros. Like when we have to go in and swap a screw out or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, John, how's your week going? 
Well, David brought up crashes, and I totally forgot that I crashed the mill this week. Oh, yeah. I, think I, think this. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. Yeah, I, it's all uh, good, though. Yeah, so I was, like, using uh, Flow again, as usual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I made, like, a patch surface that just, like, extended. It was only, like, 15 thou past the the uh, bevel. Yep. And I had the leads turned off because the step over is so tight that you can't see the actual toolpath with the leads on because oh. it's basically like, I don't know, you know, it's like 500 yellow lines, so you can't see anything. Right. So the, the issue with flow is it only takes surfaces as the actual driver for the toolpath. And this extended patch technically extends what the, like the actual, however, the, the program is uh, generated. It saw the backside as also needed to be cut as like one body. And you know how fusion is with like basically anything that's not your model. It doesn't care. It'll just run right through it if it wants to. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there's no way there's no actual clean way to tell flow not to go somewhere. And I've also run into like 3d contour and trying to get a toolpath that's basically 90 degrees to the surface is also can be a huge pain. And then Fusion's like, oh, I got to cut the backside of it. But it's like the backside is the fixture kind of thing. Mm. And there isn't like a good way to tell Fusion like, hey, I only want you to see uh, from this side. There is, but it's not like a clean checkbox type thing. Yeah. And then, you know, avoid avoid surfaces and all that stuff is like you kind of have to play around with it. So, yeah, it's all that backside thing. The lead was off and I didn't. That was the only thing that was showing that it was going over there. And then I just ran it and went inside and then it came back out. And I was like, and what's funny is like I walked back in the garage and the, there's the tool was still there in the spindle. And, it, you know, the machine was just sitting there yeah. idle. And I was like, OK, cool. And I like walked up to it looking around. I'm like, the heck is this? <laughs> it's like a oh, giant no. mark. I was like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> So did it not even what? alarm out? No, it didn't. Oh, it, was just a, it was a minor crash then. Yeah, yeah. So I look up and I'm like, where's my wheel? <laughs> like, that thing was expensive. Oh, and I was no. like, I was like, uh, well, uh, hopefully it wasn't too bad of a crash. And then then I was just posting those stories was like immediately after finding it. But like compared to the last time that I crashed the mill, I was like, OK, well. Whatever, I guess, I guess I'll just put it back together and then hope it's fine and yeah it wasn't luckily it wasn't as bad as last time the the lang subplate actually stayed concentric to the fourth axis which was pretty surprising okay. uh, it only it only yeah and it only pushed the rotary out of uh like parallel with y so i put that back re blue loctite is coolant proof i found out because i've been loctiting okay. the rotary bolts because they would actually vibrate loose oh jeez. Oh my yeah, gosh. and they're like they're half thirteens, but it like the you know the surface contact on a on a half yep. thirteen nut is not a lot compared to the the leverage you got all the way up at the fourth uh, all the way up at the tombstone kind of thing. So uh-huh. it's kind of like a blessing in disguise that the way the rotary mounts is garbage. Yeah, <laughs> you know a, what I mean. A... So <laughs> like it, in reality, you would want something like that just to slide out of the way than to take out the tool. Cause honestly, if, 
if nothing moved, what's the most likely thing to happen? The pole stud snapping and dragging my tool through the spindle kind of thing and then gouging at at all of the RPM that you were probably running it at? Yeah, I mean, it was just 12K. And that's a rapid (laughs) move. You know, that's a rapid move through the tombstone is what it was trying. Wow. Yeah, plus plus the long stick out of the tool was also a blessing because it just Uh, would bend, basically. Yep, flexy. Yep. So I just... I just like as a precaution, I just changed the pull stud, like threw it out. I'm like, you never know, kind of thing. Uh huh. And then um, that was it. I actually, the tool is fine as far as runout goes, the actual uh, tool itself. And wow. then the CBN wheel, I thought it exploded. And then I found it like in the corner of the machine, very scarred up. And I was like, I'm very <laughs> surprised because CBN's supposedly really brittle. Mm-hmm. I was very surprised to see it in one piece. And, oh. uh, yeah. Were you able to of. use it again? Like dress it and use it again or no? Yep. That's what I've been using. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, yeah. And then I was like, um, basically, it grinding on the mill does work. And I'm not doing anything that's not, uh, not possible on a three axis, which I found out. It's nothing simultaneous. It's actually just sticking the blades 90 degrees up in the air. Oh, nice. Which is kind of surprising because it's not, you know, it's not a chisel kind of thing, but right. you can basically get the thing to step over short enough that, again, talking about cusp heights, that makes them flat. And then something to do with just making, like, I guess you have enough stock to leave that actually cuts that remaining stock in like a full pass kind of thing. It's kind of hard to describe, but. I don't know that the sides tumble in 45 minutes now. Like that's awesome. Totally. And I'm like, nice. Cause it used to take like eight hours. Right. Um, do you have that new wheel I, coming still? Yeah, I do. And I've also, I've also been looking at, so I was curious about the guys I was talking to about getting a wheel made and they're like, yeah, we make, you know, we make the wheels in house, whatever. And then like, you know, we dress them to the shape and I guess, I don't know who made the standard for for grinding wheels, but they have shape standards. So if you say like a one a one, I think that's like flat with the sides is the whatever it is. Diamond CBN. The sides are what you use the cut. So that's like a one a one, I think. So universally, it seems like if you can find a supplier that actually makes these things, you can get the same exact thing for much cheaper. Because they want for like a two inch diameter wheel or a one and a one and three quarters is like two sixty for a wheel, which I mean, it's pretty reasonable based on the kind of tool life you can get with one of these things is pretty crazy. Yep. Um, but I was like, hmm, I wonder if somebody AliExpress <laughs> will make oh, me no. a wheel. Oh. So I found somebody who makes oddly enough the exact same looking wheel. I'm not going to point fingers or anything, but I was also told there's a four to five week lead time on these things. And it makes me wonder like what makes it a four to five week lead time. I don't think like the CBN wheel market is, you know, on fire right now and demand is through the roof. So I was like, okay, so these are $30 a piece. (laughs) Oh, Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, so we'll see. I ordered one. We'll see. I mean, it's going to take four weeks to get here. And yeah. uh, and I ordered another spare, like backup one for the 
one eye kind of trash because I was expecting it to explode by now, but it hasn't. <laughs> I wonder if CBN would go through glass if it broke apart at 12K. Well, it is would. it actually glass or do you have like, you know, uh, it's it's the doors on the front of the mill. They're not that's like, like they're not glass. They're, they're like polycarbonate or something, right? Well, no, they are glass, but they're there is polycarbonate in them. They're like, um, what do you call it? Uh, they're layered, so it's like glass, right. poly, then glass. I think. Mm, okay. I, I thought it was poly throughout, but I maybe wrong. They're definitely glass on the front, and they're poly on the side. Okay. And I don't know if they're layered for sure, but they definitely crack like glass. Like I have chips out of mine from oh. stuff hitting them. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't. I guess I'm just mine. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna shove that wheel through your, through your, your window. Yeah, well, you know, it's so at this point the diameter is so small because I've had to dress it so <laughs> so small that even if it broke apart, I honestly don't think it'd have very much energy after three yeah. feet. It would just fizzle into dust. Yeah, and then as far as like coolant goes, so CBN is is hard, and ball screws are made out of steel, so. If you ground enough, yes, you would be damaging everything on the mill. But at this quantity of grinding, I don't think it's a problem right now. And then as far as like filtering goes, I'm using like a one micron filter, which I thought would cause the coolant pressure to be really low, but it doesn't change it at all. So I was like, I don't understand anything about filtering, apparently. (laughs) I was like, okay, cool. I guess maybe the... Actually, I have no idea why it still works at the same flow rate and pressure. Well, it, that's that's your pump. I guess that you don't have a lot of losses in the filter. It's just it's pushing it through the filter harder. Yeah, the pressure is still the same. It it's also like uh, a really big. I don't know what the trade size is. This is a huge bag filter, so that also helps because obviously yes, like, yeah. you know. But I mean, I get great. Even be, I've had this one bag on here, and like there's pressure gauges on it for like four months now without having to change it with no pressure drop or like Dang. one psi pressure drop. Wow, that's awesome. So, yeah, either either the tank is just absorbing everything, and I nothing is happening at the filter. A, a huge possibility because the waterfall from the machine to the pump is a very far distance. Yeah, and, so, and the way Haas does their tanks is one of the things that I really like about Haas is how they have that wall that yeah. divides the waterfall section. Yeah. My tank was almost halfway full with tie chips, but I had nothing at the pump. Yeah. <laughs> the only awesome. problem. Yeah. The only problem I found with that, which, you know, if you had to choose is better is separating oil near the pump is like, you have to have a separate pickup for it. Right. Cause oil will just sit there at the pump, like right up at that surface or whatever. Um, how how would the oil get to that part though? I don't like. I mean, it just floats on the coolant, and I'm guessing it's floating. I don't. So it's water falling. It's like being flowed through, like because it's you know the waterfall is violent, quote yeah. unquote, and then the oils eventually slow down enough. But it was kind of underwater under that wall, I would guess, and then it just collects. And I guess so. the, the area by the pump is so tiny, like the top surface area compared to the rest of the like main tank. Right. That I guess it piles up pretty quick, but 
I don't know. Every once in a while, I'll just stick like a pig mat in there and then still get them. It's really not that big of a deal as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what else? I don't know. Seems to be working. I don't know. The blades are so thin now. Like I just posted on my story tonight about it and I'm like, is this too thin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, if you hit them with your fingernail, they ring. Oh my. Whoa. With the end tab on them. And I'm like, uh, is this detrimental? Like if you drop this on concrete, not on the blade, will it shatter? What, have you actually like measured it? What is, what is the thickness? It's, I haven't measured it, but it's extremely narrow. I may <laughs> like, be too thin. It might be too foul. Oh my goodness. What the hell? Yeah. yeah on, the, on, on the edge. And then, so yeah, I'm like, when I go to sharpen this thing, it's going to disappear immediately. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's, that's definitely too thin. Yeah. The biggest thing actually is the thinness is extended really far into the center, which is probably the bigger problem. I yeah. mean, it stays like under 10 thou for like a quarter of an inch, I think. Doesn't this mess up your fixtures when you flip it over? So I struggled a really, really long time to get like the the boss for the flip to actually support the blades. But no, it works perfectly fine with no chatter now, which is nice. Really cool. Nice. But it is a huge pain to get it to that point, I guess. And then to do it consistently. But so uh and so is this a post-heat treat that it's that thin? Yeah. Yep. Okay, okay. Because if you had to heat treat it too, that'd be... Oh, no. If you had to heat treat it, I would... I don't even... It wouldn't... It, 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 it would it be bad. Wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. So you can grind... You could do exactly what I'm doing on a three-axis, I have discovered. Mm. Um, Which is pretty cool. Even with a hollow grind, you just... The step-overs need to be pretty short, but the yeah. tumbling speed compared to like ball and finishing is significant from the yeah. little testing I've done though. So it's like grain of salt I and just, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you say you could do it on a three axis, but it is like edge up, not flat. It it depends on the shape you would use for the the actual wheel itself. But from what I'm doing, yeah, you could do an edge up with a wheel that has the grit on the side. Yeah. Yeah. So like a one A one basically. Could you do an S grind? No, that's that's the real question. That is much more difficult, I'd imagine. But I think I, I think you could, could do it if it if was you, point up. If you had a narrow enough wheel itself. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, if it was, it could get into there. Yeah. And kind of the cool thing is you can go extremely narrow and not really worry about rigidity. I mean, you can get like a, a quarter inch shank and then have the actual thickness of the the grain on there be like, you know, 200, 200 thou basically, and mm-hmm. then two inches wide if you wanted to, and it would still be okay. And then the other nice thing is if the blade chatters, where like the end mill has very distinct sharp cutting edges that kind of want to bounce off the edges as it comes around. The grinding wheel doesn't have an edge. It's just a bunch of edges. So it kind of just doesn't chatter. It just keeps it cutting down. Mm. So, I don't know. Still a lot of testing to do, but I like the direction or I like where it's going 
But yeah. I don't know. Setting up the dresser and stuff was a pain too. And <laughs> yeah. My biggest thing is is um tool geometry control, I guess, and like getting the diameter measured correctly without you know an offline laser or anything or a tool setter, which would make life a lot easier, I think. And then mm-hmm. I haven't done the Renishaw like change the macro to get it not to spin. And I wonder if that would even be accurate enough, kind of, because if you're not spinning it, well, I guess if you're dressing it right, then it would still be. Yeah. You could also do it. You, I mean, it would be a hell of a custom macro, but you could make this, you know, you can make the macro do it where it it touches the diameter and then indexes the spindle, like, you know, some amount of degrees and does that again until it does a full rotation. And they could also have it go around the actual tool, tool probe and mm-hmm. yeah. have it touch around the diameter of that too. Yeah. Cause I, what I did was I looked at the, the macros that are in the Haas and the way it works is not as simple as I was, as I was hoping because it'll like, you go from like the VPS thing, like, Oh, I want to probe length and diameter, which is like the only, it's only spins. So there's no other option to do right. diameter without it spinning. And so like you load up that, that, uh, the macro, but what it does is it is it takes those those variables you just insert, and then it it calls another sub program, and then yes. loads those variables into that one, and then in that sub program, which it's only the length, when that length one is done, it calls up the other sub program, and that sub program is for diameter. So I'm not I'm not good at programming whatsoever. So for my brain, I'm like, okay, I have to carry these these variables all the way from the front. And I need a program that only does the back. So I can't really see the code in my mind, like, working. Mm-hmm. You can't just run the back with inputted variables. It's trying to do math on the variables at the front, and it needs to be correct all the way at the back kind of thing. Could, yeah, so, so, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, yeah, they're, they're built in, like, you know, front-facing macros end up calling up a bunch of different sub-programs. Yeah. What you can do is, um... You can make your own custom program and basically just do all of it and then just figure out whatever the proper program is for a protected probing move. Yeah. And then just do everything built off of that particular one. Yeah. And that that's definitely going to happen, but I just like, I should probably get this working to actually make knives instead of yeah, right. yep. pretending. Yep. You, you may be able to butcher one of the, uh, the actual spindle probe uh, calibration macros because... That one doesn't rotate, and it probes how you think it should. Yep. Um, oh, that's true, yeah. That's a good yeah. idea. I, I do believe it's a different sub-program call for a tool setter protected move versus a, a spindle probe protected move. That should be the only difference, really. Yeah, but you should at least be able to look at it and, and dissect it yeah. and see what see what's doing. Yep. Yeah. That's a little it's more high-tech really... than, my, than my electrical tape around the tool setter option. There's <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> There's a bunch of really good documentation online for all of the Renishaw uh, probing macros for Haas. Yeah. Yep. Luckily. Yes. And like, maybe I'm, um, but like, if you had to, you could just mic it, right? And type so, in a number. Yeah. For as far as like uh, measuring it like that, I just put scotch tape on the end of some calipers and then zeroed them out. And I've been doing it that way. Because that CBN will immediately scratch the the steel on the yeah the yep. things. You know, this might be a silly thing, but you could have a sacrificial like 
tool steel block somewhere in your machine, have the grinding wheel grind a like grind a section of it, and then take your spindle probe and measure the thickness oh. and do it that way. That's kind of smart. Yeah, you could do that. I was also going to say would that, but then I thought it. I'd... <laughs> be even more <laughs> like it's it's a really roundabout way of doing it but then you don't have to worry about like scratching up your 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 tool setter i don't know it might be a silly idea but <laughs> i don't see I dig that yeah yeah i mean also more realistic measurement because then you're seeing like in the cut r- results yeah it's that basically is, it's a test cut you're just yeah. seeing what it's going to do that is true actually the hardest thing that i've been dealing with is taper or whatever I have occurring yep. that I can't uh-huh. seem to understand what's going on is basically like a, a taper type issue. Huh. But yeah, that's a good way to do that. You could just set up a sacrificial block on the tombstone the same way you yeah. have the dresser yep. against and you swap like it a, out every so often. Force. Yeah. yeah. You could even mm-hmm. measure like the low or the high part of the, the grinding wheel, whichever one's relevant and get yeah. your tapered spot as opposed to just the largest spot. Right. Yeah, I love probes. Probes are fun. Definitely, definitely the grinder thing works though for sure. So that's awesome. So, yep. Yeah, that's sweet. Who who knew grinding blades is the right way to do it? it yeah, right. <laughs> David, where's your new mill at? Oh yeah, I don't have one yet, but they've been digging a giant trench through our parking lot area to the building to put three phase in. Yeah, that's nuts. And uh, yeah, it's more it's more evolved than I thought it'd be. Right. Uh, but yeah, I've been doing lots of research, and you know, I talked to lots of salespeople from different companies, and I still think I'm probably going with Haas. Yeah. And uh, it makes the most uh, sense. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I, I think people could very easily argue it doesn't, but for support, for a controller I already have, for you know, uh, information online, for uh, I mean, a controller I've already used, uh, you know, and just from talking to salespeople as well as prices, but that's not the the main factor. Um, I think it just makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and documentation like, alone. And and I kind of liked the idea of the brother. I liked the idea of the DT, these thirty taper taper machines. I kind of wish I could get like a VF two as a thirty taper machine, but because uh, it is. That idea of it takes so much less time to spin up the spindle and spin it down. Uh, but like the fact that these machines, they have the minimum spindle to table distance. I don't like that. The fact that with the DT, it sounds like I would have to bolt it to the floor, which, you know, you might not think is the end of the world, but I, I think I'd rather not do it. I still have to figure out where I want to put things. Uh you know, the fact that it's, you know, those machines are a little more cramped and like, I want to have more options to do things. I want to be able to leave more stuff set up. I want to be able to film things are easier. Uh, I'm worried about, I, I like, I don't, I don't know if I could really easily film things. I mean, I could set up a GoPro in the machine, but uh, the way I do things now, I like, and I think it'd be a lot harder with some of these machines. Um, so yeah, I, I think, Going for like a VF2 SS is probably the direction I want to go. And uh, just been doing lots of research on that and research on like what tool holders I might want to do, depending on if I want through spindle coolant or not. And uh, I'm leaning towards not. Yeah. Um, I also like, 
made a rough model of every single thing in my shop in Fusion 360. <laughs> so that, yep. Not a bad I, I, It'd be nice to like 3D print it and stuff, but I, I don't think I'm going to do that, at least not yet. Uh, but uh, yeah, try to rearrange everything because yep. I, I definitely have to. I just put like shelves and things just like in the middle of nowhere just because it's easy to get to. Uh, but now I need to like actually put things in a way that makes sense. Can I give you my experience on doing that myself real quick? Absolutely. So I modeled my entire shop, um, all the machines when I was trying to figure out where the brown and sharp was going to go. And I did, and I had a, a layout I really liked. I made a little drawing for it. And when the riggers came up, I showed him the drawing. I'm like, Hey, you want, let me show you this drawing real quick. And he stared me dead in the face and was like, I don't care what you have to show me. It's going to be wrong because it always is. <laughs> was it wrong? That's always a good, yes. good way to feel, think about things. Oh, it, it, it was wrong. He's like, I've had so many people from so many shops show me layout drawings. And it's always by the seat of the pants at like by the end of it. Wow. And that's exactly what happened for me as well. <laughs> yep. The brown and sharp was not in the position it was going to be in. It's also not in the orientation it was supposed to be in, but it works way better this way. Was it just like in like a like like not a fuck or he didn't say it in like a like like an aggressive way, but it was more of a joke and it was real. Yeah. What was so it I'm just sure like there's truth to that? Yeah. Forklift yep. access or or size? No, it was um clearance to walls, small itty bitty little ancillary things on the machine. Like like unless you have an exact perfect model of your machine. Mm-hmm. Um and it's also hard to get scale when it's on yeah. the screen. Definitely. Like, yeah. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was just one of those things where he kind of scoffed and laughed at it half jokingly. And at the end of the day, he was completely correct. <laughs> well, I, I, w- I don't know if I, I thought I might have said, I was going to ask you if you tried like uh, putting painter's tape down after you did your plan. Yep. I've done that. Yeah. It's actually one of the better ways to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, John, you have a VF2, right? Yeah. Is it like against the wall? Nope. It's, oh god, uh, don't do it. Yeah, it's Sorry. probably I can fully walk back there, no issue basically. Well, no, I've used uh VF2s or you know, different Haas machines and I'm just trying to remember like does the coolant tank have to wheel backwards out entirely or can you wheel it like sideways? It can it can't be wheeled forward. It can be wheeled directly sideways. Okay. I mean, yeah, you pro- you want to be able to walk behind the machine, like, uh, but does it have to be like five feet or ten feet? You know, in the manual, that- it'll it'll give you the minimum for the door opening because yeah. that's the big thing. But yep. honestly, like, if you have the extra foot over the recommended, like, it's nice to be able to walk back there for yeah, a bunch absolutely. Of- I wouldn't put it directly against the wall. It's just. Again, like if you have to wheel the entire coolant tank backwards, you know, that's like a lot bigger than uh, if you can wheel it sideways. Yeah. Yeah. However you do it, make sure you're able to basically wheel the coolant tank out of your shop. That's what I would recommend. Yeah. Uh, Because if if you need to like clear chips or, you know, drain everything, um, having accessibility there is really, really nice. Yep. When I laid out, my mighty in my first shop um because of space issues the the coolant tank was not removable 
Oh gosh. Mm. <laughs> and so draining it was an absolute nightmare before moving it to the new shop. Yeah, that's rough. Yep. I don't care about wall clearances. As long as I can squeeze through and get to whatever needs to like be gotten to, I'm happy, but the coolant tank has to be able to be removed. Yeah. Yeah, my my lathe's coolant tank is a pain because the chip conveyor sits on top of it. Uh-huh. And you have to push the coolant tank like 90 so in front of the lathe like lengthwise along with the chip conveyor and it's long extension cord wire thing like it has to be moved as one unit and then you have to unbolt it and separate it so i'm like Mm. hope stuff's not growing in there right now (laughs) (laughs) yep good times yep uh Sorry, go ahead. You're uh, aiming for a VF2SS? Is that the... I think so. Yep. I think that'll be a really good fit for you. Yeah, I think so too. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, uh, I've definitely thought a lot about it. I mean, I've thought about it for like years, and it's yep. just like... I don't know. It can. I mean, you can get like so obsessed with... with or at least I can. I've, I've said this part. I, I can get so into like researching things... And uh, and wanting to like really figure out like what the best thing is and like feel like you can never make a mistake, um, and uh, I think like I said this I said this probably a while ago like no matter what machine I get I'm gonna be happy with some things and unhappy with some other things, yeah. And uh, I think like for a first step like this is the way to go and and like um. You know, I don't think I, I don't think I talked about that. Uh, I I sent you guys all some scissors. Yes, and uh, we won't go into too much, but like I just want to, uh, you know, figure out where my quality needs control needs to be, and and like how to improve them, and what I want to where I want them to be to sell the next ones. And uh, <laughs> your guys's opinion was kind of you got to get another machine. It was unanimous. <laughs> yeah yeah and like i think i think that the scissors i sent you aren't the best i i think i really can hit whatever tolerance i want on the tormach uh, to a degree like i can i can make things whatever size they want it's just uh i i wish interpolated holes were more round you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and it's still it's still like you know uh, less than a thou, I'd say. Uh, but yeah, I I I think the issue is repeatability, and the speed is becoming a little bit more of an issue. Um, and uh, I don't know. I I think. Uh, I think I'm really curious to see how things change. Yep. Uh, with a I think a, using a I real would've... machine again. Yep. I mean, I would. I would bet a lot that um, the first set you make off of your VF2 um, will make you jump up and down and joy. I think in some ways, but I think what I also discovered is is putting those three sets of scissors together to loan to you guys was that like the better the scissors I made them, the, the worse they kind of became in other aspects. Because... Mm-hmm. Uh, the the best scissors I ever made were the ones I sent to John, and they they cut fabric along the whole length, 
uh, but they are kind of atrocious in every other way. <laughs> and so I think I also still need to like reevaluate uh, if I want to kind of settle for worse scissors and, and start selling more at this point, or if I want to spend time experimenting with uh, potentially like hollowing out the backsides of the plates uh, or working with other people to make plates, which uh, I'm still trying to do as well. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It, it definitely, I definitely will keep learning things. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Yep. Wait. I, I'm, I, what's that? Sweet. <laughs> sweet, sweet victory. Yeah. All right. Well, anyone? What's that? Best episode. That is, you're you're right about that. It's classic. It's classic. <laughs> Grant, what are you laughing at? You you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> you feeling okay, John? No. <laughs> oh gosh. Hey, I started right. class again, and I I I don't sleep. I I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. Yay, school. Yep. Yep. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye, everybody. (laughs) That's it. Bye.